the pediatric ophthalmologist came and took him for about a couple hours to do an exam. And she came back uh, and kind of confirmed our fears, just said, I've never seen this before. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't look good. And I remember Laura just screaming, like, is he blind? And, you know, she kind of sucked the oxygen from the room when she said, I don't know, but it doesn't look good. Sometimes heartbreak leads to opportunity. Today's podcast is an interview about that exact idea, that there are things in our lives that we wish wouldn't have happened, and yet the opportunities to lead and influence and impact people's lives grow out of that exact moment. And so my friends, Laura and Ben Harrison, who I've known for years, share their own story of heartbreak and how God flipped that on its head, and now they're impacting thousands of people. Here's a couple who I believe is uniquely designed for exactly what they're doing. At Stay Forth Designs and our coaching and in some of our content, we always remind you, just take the next right step. You don't have to boil the ocean, just do your next right thing. And Laura and Ben's story is just kind of this trail of them doing their next right thing, feeling unprepared for what was next, but taking their next step. And I love watching this on the back end. I love the quote, that you can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backward. And there's beautiful dots you see God connecting in their own stories, in their own relationship, them as parents, them as business leaders, and ultimately their impact across the world through Jonas Paul Eyewear. I think you're gonna love this episode, so whatever you're doing, lean in, this is a good one. Well, guys, welcome to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. And I think one of the best things about having a podcast is that I get to interview friends. And so uh, Ben and Laura Harrison are folks who I went to college with and uh, just has been incredible to kind of watch their influence bloom. Uh, At a distance, they lead over Jonas Paul Eyewear and uh, their family and just to see what God is doing kind of from that space and taking them into all kinds of spots of influence. So thanks for joining us today on the podcast, guys. Thanks yeah, thank you us. so much. Yeah, it's great to be here. So um, you guys are up to a ton, and we'll get to uh, the company and where you guys are at, where you guys are going. But why don't you just share a little bit of the story of your family and kind of how you guys met, uh, and then how the story of Jonas Paul has sort of sprouted out of your family. Yeah, definitely. So um, yeah, as you'd mentioned, we went, you know, both went to Taylor University um, and met there. Uh, I guess my first senior year, um, and uh, you had multiple. Wow, I did. Super, super senior. senior, yeah, super senior. All right, the classic, you know, professor kid taking advantage of the system. But anyways, um, yeah, met met at Taylor, and then ended up moving up to Grand Rapids. I was kind of on the professor route. Um, parents were both professors, etc. So ended up going to Kendall College of Art and Design and got my MFA in photography. Uh, partially because uh, career services failed to mention that there's no jobs for art professors at the collegiate level. Um, And so anyways, we did that, you know, both moved up here. I actually lived with Laura's grandparents and she lived with her aunt and uncle uh, just kind of when we first moved up here and then got married. And yeah, so we're kind of pursuing, I guess, these two things simultaneously. So I was getting my master of fine arts in photography. And then we also kind of had this uh, you know, naturally developing photography business because, you know, being creatives and, um, you know, having a, f- a lot of friends getting married at a college, et cetera, it kind of created this um, 
opportunity to photograph weddings, events, et cetera. So it kind of turned out being, you know, Laura was kind of managing a lot of the behind the scenes, you know, communication, et cetera, you know, scheduling the weddings, that kind of thing. I was doing school. Uh, and then in the summers, we were kind of just, you know, treading water, shooting, you know, 30 <laughs> weddings a summer and just um, craziness there. Uh, and then, yeah, continued to do the photography business for about 10 years mm -hmm. or so. And then along the way, kind of recognized some opportunities, started some other ventures. Some were successful, some were failures or or learning experiences, <laughs> as a lot of people like to say. Um, I like how you reframe that, right? Yeah, not so a full saying, failure. We're now learning from that. Yeah, we learned something. We learned to not try to do that business. Um, <laughs> it did not work well. No, anyways, but yeah, had that and then ended up kind of landing on our, our main one that became a bigger business, I guess, uh, was a website company. So we did, it was called Folio Websites. And so we launched uh, kind of a website template hosting company specifically geared towards the creative industry. Ran that for about, Six, six, seven years, years, six, seven years. And then, um, you know, and then, yeah. And then we ended up getting pregnant. You know, we waited seven what years. seven years before kind of deciding to have our first child, um, much to the chagrin, chagrin of the grandparents, but, um, but yeah, it was a great time, you know, just kind of being young, married couple doing business, all of that. And then, yeah. And then Jonas was born March, 2013 and, you know, a, I feel like I'm speaking out of turn because Laura was the one that <laughs> did most of the work with this, but a fairly uneventful pregnancy. Um, nothing was really, I mean, the doctors, you know, we we're still young and healthy and uh, no indication that anything would be uh, wrong with Jonas and ended up, you know, Laura ended up kind of laboring, you know, for about 24 hours. And then it turned into kind of an emergency C-section. His heart rate was dropping and things. And um, so, yeah, did the emergency C-section and kind of then went from, you know, once they got him out, he did cry and was breathing. And so it was kind of a celebration there. But then when I brought him over to Laura, the first thing she said to me was, does he have pupils? Um, and I think at that moment, you know, we were kind of trying to, trying to kind of shrug it off. You know, it's like being born is a traumatic experience. Let's give him a little bit, you know, of grace and let clean all the, you know, goop off, et cetera. And... Um, then sure enough, you know, we, we kind of had that kind of 24 hours of celebration just with family and enjoying Jonas. And then, uh, the pediatrician came in and did a checkup and she said, you know, everything looks pretty normal with him, but except for his eyes, like, I don't know, I, I've never seen this before. I don't know what it is. I'm going to need a pediatric ophthalmologist to come in. And then the pediatric ophthalmologist came and took him for about a couple hours to do an exam. And she came back, uh, and kind of confirmed our fears, just said, you know, we, I've never seen this before. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't look good. Um, and I remember Laura just screaming, like, is he blind? And, you know, she kind of sucked the oxygen from the room when she said, I don't know, but it doesn't look good. Um, and it felt like in that moment, um, there's not a lot that I remember, to be honest with you, which I think is God just protecting just ourselves and our emotions and everything we we're experiencing. But, um, but I remember in that literally in that moment feeling like not only has our life changed because our first child was born, which is such a beautiful and amazing thing, but in that moment thinking things are going to be completely different than I ever anticipated or imagined. Um, 
and being kind of the planner person that I am, that was kind of a really big moment of, you know, things are going to be completely different than what we're expecting. And, um, and had no idea why, yeah, we really struggled, I guess, in the beginning of why is this happening to us and why is God completely like flipping our life upside down in this moment that's supposed to be such a beautiful, which it, it was, but it, you know, just a beautiful experience that you picture to be so different. Yeah. And I think, you know, we had built our careers on visual arts, basically, you know, with making people look beautiful or putting people in front of beautiful landscapes or, I mean, no offense to the couples, not that the, anyways, that came, might've come across wrong, but, but maybe the anyways, landscape is more beautiful yeah, than the couple. Yeah, I hear what like you're saying. 30 yards out and no, I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, this <laughs> side tangent, yeah, we didn't have that. any of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyways, we, yeah, so we kind of built our career on like visuals and we realized how visual we were, you know, as humans, et cetera. And, um, you know, I think we are, I kind of always go back to this like C.S. Lewis quote where he said that pain insists upon being attended to God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I think for us, like in that moment, God definitely roused us and he kind of rewrote our story, so to speak. Um, and I think at that moment we came to the realization that like our new narrative included suffering, but you know, at, in the very early days we had faith that like, you know, great things could come from this, you know, oftentimes you, you find that throughout history that, you know, there's not a lot of growth that happens kind of in the mountaintops, so to speak. Um, but really most of the growth kind of comes at those times of pain and suffering and kind of the valleys. Um, and so we, yeah. So how do you get from there? You know, so we kind of joke about like, you know, we took Jonas to his first doctor's appointment. He, we had to go to university of Michigan cause there was nobody, I guess, with enough of a specialized practice here in Grand which Rapids. We should say too, he was essentially born with, um, Peter's anomaly, which is cloudy corneas. And so he had really no light in, no light out. And so, um, that was kind of his diagnosis, I guess. And it, for babies born with Peter's anomaly, it looks very different for every single person in every single case. Um, but Jonas, it was pretty, yeah, you could tell something was very, very, very different about his eyes from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, yeah, I took him to the specialist at uh, University of Michigan and uh, she had, you know, this was very early on, like a few weeks old, I think. Um, and she had made a comment that a lot of times kids with Peter's anomaly did have potential for sight, uh, just depending on the route you took, you know, medically, et cetera. And I think that gave me a little bit of hope um, and just his potential for sight. And so when I, you know, I started looking at options for, for him because I wanted him to look like a little stud muffin and felt like the, you know, options were lacking. There were like athletic styles and cartoon driven styles. Uh, but nothing that was really more like what adults would wear, um, but for kids. So, you know, we joke, you know, like you do, you know, shortly after having your first child, you start your own children's eyewear company. So um, why not? Yeah, so, why why yeah. not? <laughs> so we ended up launching it actually December of 2013. So the same year that he was born. Which everyone thought um, we were insane. I think looking back on it, it was a little crazy, but it also felt like such a good distraction from 
um, just everything that Jonas was experiencing and that we were going through with him, you know, cause we could take him to all of his appointments and we could do all of the drops and the ointments and the caring for him that we could, but, um, you know, but it felt just kind of like a dark place for us. And so I think having this new business that we were kind of dreaming up kind of a good distraction from yeah. the chaos of at that time of our life. Yeah, it kind of gave us like a creative outlet, you know, to feel like we were doing something. And, you know, there's a lot of times like a lot of like healing can come through just creating things um, and just creativity. So, wow. Well, let me let me stop you guys there, because obviously I know that moment of your first child being born. You actually don't know what to feel. You don't know what to experience. You can't prep for that. And I can't imagine the range of emotions in that time. But I also can't imagine two more creative people than you guys. I think, Ben, I was at your your first senior art show uh, when yeah. you were a senior the first time, uh, and just yeah. seeing the you know amazing creativity visually, and to hear that I mean any couple that can lead anything together together, let alone a creative business, and just to see already how wired for this business you guys are, even appreciating aesthetics and the visual piece of that, even that you would want your son to wear stylish eyewear. And so, you know, I've, I've heard an entrepreneur is simply just someone who solves problems. And just to see you guys are creative and you are entrepreneurs and to see out of that, that others would have made an excuse out of for you guys to lean in. I'm sure in the midst of much pain, I don't want to skip over that or pretend it wasn't there to be able to sort of innovate forward. What were those next steps then of innovating forward of like, Hey, why not? We have a little kid. Let's launch a company. How did it go from there? Yeah. It's so easy. Um, I'm glad you asked. No, yeah. So <laughs> everything we, was perfect. And now we have landed. Yeah. We made no, it. you, you hit on a really great, great point that I felt like, um, you know, while you don't know it, like all these, you know, successes and failures throughout life, I feel like is God kind of, you know, just shaping you and giving you the skill sets you need for kind of the next thing. Um, and that might sound like kind of a pageant answer or whatever, but it like really was true. I feel like God was like, you know, we had the creative side with the photography side, we had the website design side. Um, and then also just the general design knowledge as well. So it felt like, you know, while we didn't know how all these things were going to kind of mesh one day, it really felt like when we went to do this, it actually was kind of easier than it should have been, I think. But that was really just because of, you know, the skill sets we had acquired through our different, you know, creative ventures along the way. So um, I think the, you know, there's always kind of this grass is greener, I think, mentality in business. You know, for us, it was always we had all these digital products, digital delivery, you know, digital goods, and we like wanted something tangible. And then so it was exciting, the thought of like a product that we could, you know, see in the wild, so to speak, you know, see kids just randomly someplace like wearing our product. So that was really interesting. But then when you actually get into product and manufacturing and, you know, FDA regulated products, medical devices, that kind of thing, it's yeah, like, it wasn't as easy. I know. Let's go back to digital <laughs> downloads. But um, but anyway, so we yeah. So, you know, went through several rounds of sampling with the product, you know, I kind of, the world is shrinking just with Alibaba and these resources where you can kind of find, you know, manufacturers, et cetera. So yeah, just started searching. And then I designed the original five designs, just kind of an illustrator, you know, 2d kind of things. And 
um, yeah, went through a few rounds of samples and then launched December, 2013. And I think the, um, so I think the easier parts were kind of the website development, the photography, and then the design because of our background. Um, but the harder parts were that we had zero experience in the optical industry. Um, <laughs> but we were going to figure it out. <laughs> dove in head but first. let me stop you there. Where, where did that help you to, to not have any experience to come from designing photos web into yeah. a whole new industry? I'm sure there were some places that helped yeah. you, right? Yeah, no, it's a great point. Cause we, and we even say that we ended up kind of raising a seed round of investment. And one of our investors, Cliff Bartow was former CEO of LensCrafters. And he, I think one thing that intrigued us about our business was that we came at the industry from a different approach. Cause he even said that historically kids have always been like the forgotten about segment cause it's not as big of a market. Um, you know, they just need functional things that hold lenses on their face, not necessarily that they would have any sort of like style decisions or opinions. It was more just like functional treatment in the past. And I think that was what was interesting was we were willing to take this smaller piece of the market, which is still a huge market, uh, and focus just on that and be a niche player within that space. And then just do it differently with actually saying, Hey, kids are more style conscious. They do care more. They want to look like mom and dad. So why can't they have this option? You know, glasses don't just have to be, you know, there can be a, a blend of form and function. It doesn't have to be just mostly function. So. And I think on top of that too, the optical industry is very, very old school. Like, so incredibly old school. And so I think when you come in from kind of how we kind of blew into it um, with no experience, we were just like, you know what, just because that's how it's been done for the last 50 years, 60 years, however many years, um, doesn't necessarily mean that that's what we have to continue doing. And, um, and like, you know, Cliff had said to us, I think that was something that people were excited about um, and excited to support us and kind of back us and feel like, hey, they might actually have a decent idea here. Yeah. Yeah. No offense to any Christian optical people that are listening to this podcast. Because um, we have a lot of them. That's a major niche of this podcast. All right. So surprising niche. But no, it is like a, it's a very traditional, I would say a traditional yes. industry. Like yes. things have been done this way for, 50 years and that's, and that's how you do it and you're, yeah. that's how you're supposed to do it and yeah sometimes so i think that right yeah i think that lack of experience kind of a you know outsider's view of it did definitely help us you know carve out a niche in a place where not a lot of people were like a sandbox where not a lot of people were playing so to speak so and i wonder how many times uh god uses our naivete where mm. you've already said a couple times well we, we didn't know what we were doing so we went ahead and did it Many times God uses our naivete, maybe even our foolishness to go, what if kids eyewear could be stylish? Yeah. Yeah. No, the, um, we thought about this a lot, like kind of that whole thing of like, you know, why God essentially kind of chose us to be Jonas's parents and kind of journey alongside with him. And, um, there's this, uh, Beekner quote, um, like Frederick Beekner, I'm going to butcher it, but kind of that whole thing about the disciples, not that we're by any means disciples, but just that, you know, there was no proof or evidence that like the disciples were any better, nicer, more honest, et cetera, you know, people, it was like really just their willingness to, to like step outside the boat. And when Jesus said, follow me, 
Um, and I think that like his, again, I'm kind of butchering the quote, but I thought that's a really interesting concept that like really the disciples, I mean, fishermen, tax collector, et cetera, really the only thing that they did differently than others, at least from the text we see is like, they followed Jesus, you know, when Jesus said, follow me, they, you know, took that first step. And I think that's where, I don't know, just a revisiting that because you brought up an interesting point. And I think that can be encouraging for a lot of people that like, it doesn't take qualifications, <laughs> you know, when you're called to do something, I think it's just that, you know, so many people have that like failure to launch or that fear of the un unknown. But I think when you have a calling and you kind of just step into that and say, all right, we're going to follow you. I think there's just great power in that. So obviously when I was growing up, probably you guys as well, um, you didn't want to be cursed with glasses. It was the kid in the second row was four eyes and, um, you know, that was just sort of the curse of glasses growing up, probably for a lot of the reasons you've talked about that they never looked into design. And I even think dignity of, of a kid that actually could care what they look like in the midst of that. Are you guys hearing stories from the second row from, you know, the parent that's saying my kid's no longer being made fun of? I mean, how are you bringing dignity to kids in the second row? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I think that was actually kind of a surprising aspect to the business. Um, the, just the emotional and like self-esteem impact that we could have, um, you know, because we obviously we have our Bicycle gift site program and um, we'll kind of get into that later. But um, I think it was really surprising to us how much of an impact we made, you know, specifically on moms uh, or, or dads in general that are kind of making the purchasing decision, but also on the kids just you know, there's a lot of research behind how early self-esteem is cemented. And they say sometimes like, you know, even between the ages of like six and eight, things can be cemented. And, you know, cause I always think about that. I'm like, you know, I'm in my late thirties now and I still remember that kid in elementary school that picked on me. And it's like, why do I even remember that? But it's just because it's such a transformative time, you know, where you're building your self-esteem and kind of figuring out your place in the world, so to speak. Um, so that aspect, just like flipping the model, um, flipping the model on that and basically saying like, no, actually glasses can be cool. Uh, it gives kids the language and the confidence to like go in, you know, kids are so influenced by their peers. And if you, if you empower a child to think that they're beautiful in their glasses, like when they go into school, there's like, we like to think of that. There's that like split second moment where the first time they pull out their new pair of glasses where it could go south very quickly, or it could be like a really positive experience. And when you empower them and they're like, no, these are actually cool glasses, like just like mom and dad would wear, you know, that they're no longer hesitant. They like put them on and they're so happy about them and they're like bragging to their friends and then all their friends want glasses. And it really does like they're change. Like, Do I need to get my eyes tested too? Yeah. No, it really <laughs> does change like that stigma. Um, and it's amazing how just like empowering them with that little bit of confidence, like completely changes it. Um, and just, and I like to think kind of changes like their outlook for self-esteem and all of those things. Cause that could be, like you said, like it, as change. horrible as it is, you can kind of become a little bit of an outcast if you have something different about you. Um, and it's not, you know, kind of positioned correctly or the kids don't know how to like put words to it or explain it, et cetera. So, um, that's been a really cool thing to see just that impact, yeah, that we've been able to have. And I think it was also kind of surprising for us, like the emotional impact of finding out, like for parents of finding out your children need glasses. Um, you know, we had such obviously a severe 
case or just like kind of of the unexpected, you know, birth, et cetera. Um, but it is, like you said, there's, I think when parents find out their child needs glasses immediately, there's like that association, like that bullying, like kind of that, you know, embarrassment, everything kind of rushes to them, to your mind about, you know, that kid in school that had the glasses or that kid that whatever. Um, and so I think it can be kind of an emotional experience because no parents want their kids to be picked on or bullied. Um, and I think this feels like, oh no, now they're going to be set up to be picked on. And when we like change that experience and make it cool and fun, um, yeah, I mean, we've literally had parent moms that are like, you know, I was like in tears over this and this like completely changed, you know, my thought on this. And it's been so cool to see how, you know, our child feels beautiful in their glasses and they actually want to wear their glasses and they're not, you know, kind of ashamed to put them on in class, et cetera. So, yeah, I think that's a good point because we, we hear that quite often where, you know, if they've been wearing glasses that they just didn't feel good in, um, they weren't wearing them because they didn't like wearing them and they didn't feel confident and beautiful in them. And so it's just been, yeah, we've heard that countless time time after time after time that they finally they feel good in them so they will wear them and they will serve their purpose and um it's like such a game changer i love it i love it and i again i think dignity i think offering dignity to to kids instead of just you know whatever something you put on your face uh don't we feel that right when we look good in a shirt or in shoes we're like dude i'm gonna wear those on tuesday or tomorrow or right now you know and so so many of these things we think uh, you know, oh, that's just kid stuff. This is human stuff. And I've got four kids and, um, yeah, you hate to see your kids struggle. You hate to see your kids suffer. And that's a great point that is probably more emotional for that parent because you're imagining the kid to get picked, they got picked on or heaven forbid the kid that I picked on and called four eyes myself. You're going, Oh no, this is terrible. You know, it's sort of coming back around mm-hmm. on me. Um, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to, to this podcast, uh, a growing number of couples listening together in the car. And so, of course, I want to dig in uh, to that. How do you guys lead a business together? I'm sure it's not all perfect and all pretty. We don't think you know entrepreneurship is a dream, but how does that work? How do you guys actually lead this thing together? So easy. Yeah, it's been all kittens and rainbows. It's been amazing. Um, no, it's... Awesome. Well, we'll end there. Thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's it's like marriage. You know, it's we kind of treat it like you know, we fortunately had some experience previously kind of naturally through our photography business starting kind of, you know, in the early years, it was hard, you know, to run that business side by side. Um, But I think in the end, like, the key is just like identifying each other's strengths and weaknesses, let's be honest. Um, And just kind of like giving each other like autonomy and space within that and trust, you know, micromanagement never goes well, regardless in marriage or in business or anything. So I think, I think that's been what's like the best thing for us, I guess, is like really defining roles and allowing each other kind of autonomy in that and just trusting the other person to do that role and not always thinking, not always kind of like looking over the shoulder, like, you know, are they doing it right? And I think it's, I think it's almost feels harder, like the smaller your team is, I guess for us, it was kind of like, you know, in the early days of Jonas Paul, it was like just Laura and I, like shipping frames in our basement and our nanny, like God bless her. Um, Jonas's nanny, when he'd be napping, she'd be shipping frames for us and stuff. want to make some side money. Um, So I think, yeah, at that stage, there's like a lot more crossover and like, are you doing this? Are you doing this? And um, I think, 
um, as the business has kind of grown and we've had more, you know, even kind of more professional hires, et cetera, it, it does make it a little easier, you know, with a little bit bigger team staff, so to speak, because you kind of have more, yeah, more clearly defined roles and, um, and things within that space. But yeah, I think, I think in the end, kind of our tip is just define the roles early on and just allow each other like space and give each other trust within those roles. I think too, to piggyback that on that, I think, um, we have very different strengths, um, as well. And so I think that that's always worked, um, in our advantage because like the things I'm really good at, um, and the things that like are totally different. And so I think that that's definitely helped us over the years, um, in just being, knowing the things that he's really good at and the things that I'm good at and just saying, okay, you're way better with like all things technology than I am. And just know it's like second nature to you and I get frustrated, but you know, it's just, and I can leave it up to him and just know, um, yeah, just being able to trust one another, I think is huge when it comes down to being able to work side by side. That's beautiful. We, uh, we actually dedicated a whole podcast. Uh, Julie and I shared, and we had two other couples come and share, um, one who owns a brewery, one who runs a business out of their house. And just interesting to get the different perspectives. But overwhelmingly, that's what we heard. Trust, 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 and know what you're good at, and then run in that lane mm-hmm. and drive in that lane. And don't try to you know merge over unexpected without your blinker onto the other lane, to use that analogy. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm you know hearing and seeing. Obviously, you guys known you guys for a long time and, and just to see at a distance it's obvious that you guys are both incredibly creative and, and talented but it's obvious it takes a strong marriage to be able to to do that right it tests marriage in the midst of parenting in the midst of a, a growing business um, what's changed as the business has grown uh, what's changed whether it's the pressures the joys um, what changes as a business grows um, yeah <laughs> Yeah, I would say, I mean, to us, like the stakes get higher, it feels like, you know, I think, especially just, I don't know, the the types of personalities, like we're just, you know, we're people, we're people, people, or whatever, you know, like we, we care about our employees, and, um, and also care about like our investors, you know, we've also taken on investment money and all of that. And I think, so I think we kind of bear that burden a lot of just like, you know, just wanting it to succeed because now we have, you know, now it's people's livelihoods and we have a team and we want, you know, we want to run a healthy business so that they, you know, feel secure and, you know, like the place they work and all of that, you know. And so, and I think, I think it's been, I think it's been great from like a culture standpoint. We just have a really great culture where people just care about one another in the office. And, you know, we don't necessarily have this like positioning title game or anything, which is great to see. Um, but that also comes at the sacrifice of us, like really caring and like kind of bearing that burden, I would say a lot of times, um, of just knowing that, you know, it's kind of that, like, it's, you know, this snowball that's got momentum and you're like trying to like, you know, yeah, you're kind of just like running alongside it, trying to keep up. So, um, I feel like too, um, I think it's just been, it's been a lot to try. I mean, there's so many wonderful things about getting to be in this business with Ben and run alongside of him and the snowball at the same time um, as we train for half marathons and things like that. And, um, but I feel like it's just been, we always say, yes, um, 
it's really hard being in it together because we experience a lot of the ups and downs together, but I feel like that's what's amazing about it too. So, you know, we can come home and, you know, instead of just sharing with your spouse, like, how is it? It's not like, it's like, what did you do at work today? It's like, like, oh, I know what you did at work today. I know what you did, but you can also like (laughs) live in that together and feel like it's not like, well, I'm sorry. Like, I don't understand what yeah, you're going through. Kind like, of better thing. Yeah. tomorrow and hope things, you know, turn out better for you at work tomorrow. See you, honey. Like, I, I just feel like we're in this together and we're in it. Like nobody gets it more than I do and more than Ben does as far as, you know, working together. And so, um, so I do feel like there's wonderful moments like that of just relying on one another, um, so closely. And, but with that said it, yeah, we do have a lot of stress to just, yeah, feeling like, okay, we, we got to really make this work. Mm-hmm. Sure. The pressure, I mean, the pressure is immense and the joy and the burden of, of now running alongside of that snowball and hopefully not getting crushed by it in the meantime. Yes. Um, how do you guys stay healthy amidst the, the pressure and the stress? Uh, I'm sure sometimes the overwhelm that comes along with that. How do you guys stay healthy? Yeah, that's a tricky one. Cause I feel like, yeah, it is, um, think we're trying you know it is a hard balance especially like this stage of life and you don't always want to be like oh the next stage will be easier next day or like wish away stages but um yeah with two young kids um and a you know still somewhat young business um it's a lot i mean a lot of times we've had even some moments recently where it's just been like kind of where that pressure is built to a point where you're just like you know we've had some really good and really hard conversations recently Um, just kind of processing all of that and all this kind of anxiety and pressure that's maybe has built up, you know, even over the years, it's, it all kind of like boils back to that, like communication piece, I think where, you know, I think when you run things together, like, I don't want to stress Laura out. She doesn't want to stress me out. So sometimes you end up kind of like holding this like burden of like, well, I don't want to like pile that on you because you have your own stressors and things like that. And then you kind of end up it can sometimes end up kind of building and then it's like, I just have to share this because it's like really giving me anxiety. And, um, and I think that, yeah, I think it boils back to that kind of really that communication piece and the constant communication Mm -hmm. um, and just being able to kind of decompress. And, and I think too, I mean, a lot of it goes back to just like lifestyle too. And just like, I mean, we, you know, try to exercise regularly to kind of like, you know, take some of that stress away. Um, yeah. And trying to like, I think too, just like the intentionality with family, I think that, I think that piece too, like you can find yourself getting so caught up in the busyness that you never really are able to disconnect. And a lot of times we kind of catch ourselves if we're honest, like a lot of times when like your kids frustrate you, it's because you're like, you are trying to accomplish something or trying to get something else done. And that's when you get annoyed with your kids, (laughs) but it's like, it's really not their fault. They just want your attention, but you're like, don't, I have to get this email out or whatever. This, uh, go play, but whatever, you know, and don't I don't, you know, I'm running a campaign here. Come I know. On. Yeah, seriously. So I think that's a lot of the times is like catching yourself and just kind of that mindfulness of like, wait, this isn't their fault that they're like annoying me or frustrating me. Like they really just want the attention and I just need to disconnect and, you know, realizing what are the fires and what aren't the fires and just trying to find a healthier, you know, kind of work life balance. Yeah. I think too, a big thing we're just like continuing to just learn is with, uh, I feel like healthy lifestyle comes just like really good time management. 
and just managing your time and your day and, um, and making sure you're getting enough sleep and, you know, just taking care of the body that, you know, Lord's given you. And I just feel like there's so many layers to, it's so hard to manage your time and your day, um, and feel like you've got that under control, (laughs) but I feel like we're working at it and trying to just do our best. And, you know, even if it means waking up at 5 a.m. and at least having some quiet hour or so to yourself, um, it's just, it sets you up for such a better day in general. And so I feel like we're, yeah, I think we're working on it and continuing to work on it. And hopefully, yeah, as long as our children don't wake us up in the middle of the night, (laughs) that helps us wake up a little happier. Amen to that. Well, thank you guys for, for going there on the what we would say ridiculously practical conversation <laughs> of how do you, how do you actually do this? Cause anybody in the trenches knows that just the answer up in the ether, the, the perfect answer of just try to stay balanced. Um, what does that actually mean? How do we do that in the midst of, mm-hmm. of that or another child is born or the, you launch a side business on top of the side business kind of thing. Uh, and even just yesterday, I remember just feeling an incredible amount of pressure, not necessarily knowing where all of it was coming from and probably the healthiest decision that I made yesterday was to go end my day with a run and to be able to go home settled and gathered and feeling like I can make the healthy decisions tomorrow and I can go the distance tomorrow in that. And uh, many times we just don't talk about that. Being a leadership coach as well as many times that's what it comes down to is just a series of small unhealthy decisions that kind of, to use the analogy, kind of roll the snowball um, way out of our control. And we're actually not stewarding this one uh, great, amazing, crazy life that God has given us. So thank you guys for yeah. that. And man, for for coming on here, I'm so proud of you guys and just what you're doing in that. Tell us just a little bit more, uh, number one, about your Give Site program and about how we can track along with and of course, purchase our kids' eyewear from Jonas Paul. Yeah, definitely. So we, um, you know, early on, we knew like as parents of a child, you know, where we with like special needs that we had to go, you know, to a specialist to visit all of that. We kind of knew, we kind of recognized early on how fortunate we are. And just the thought of like being, having a child in the developing world that's going blind and you literally can't do anything as a parent, it just has to be such a devastating feeling. Um, so our, our by site give site program is definitely more focused like on our passion, which is childhood, childhood blindness prevention. You know, a lot of times there are, you know, kind of where we've kind of are used to that one for one model um, with the product side. But a lot of times we find that, you know, gla- giving glasses isn't enough. So, um, yeah. So for every frame sold, we make donations to Christian Blind Mission International um, or CBM International. Uh, and yeah, and they, they go to different areas. So it, it's mostly health related, mostly childhood blindness prevention. So uh, it's everything from vitamin A supplementation to antibiotics to prevent trachoma, which essentially is kind of like repetitive pink eye. You know, if you don't have antibiotics or access to things like that, uh, repetitive pink eye can actually lead to a form of blindness um, for an entire family, really. Um, And then um, also in just general, you know, wash kind of like water hygiene, you know, sanitation kind of training for communities, etc. So yeah, so that's kind of our buy site, give site program. At the end of year, last year, we were up to hundred almost 140,000 children impacted by our buy site, give site program to date, which is really exciting for us. Yeah, 
super, yeah, we just are super excited about that. And we have our big lofty goal of, um, by in 10 years, impacting up to 2 million children. So we'll keep on trekking to reach yeah. that goal. Yeah. And it's just exciting for us because it, you know, they're, I guess, I don't know how many medical stats you want, but World Health Organization estimates that about 500,000 children go blind annually from just like preventable diseases. Um, and they estimate that half of those, about 250,000 children a year, die within like the first two years of going blind. So um, for us, it's a really cool impact and thing to be able to do because it literally in a lot of time, you know, a lot of cases in the developing world is actually a life or death situation with blindness. So yeah, so it's exciting. Well, guys, it's been amazing. Thank you guys for what you're doing. You are using uh, your very uh, specialized niche gifts to come together and honestly, um, literally save, uh, give n- dignity, save lives all over the world. Uh, just love it. Cheering you guys on at a distance. Uh, so thanks for coming on today, sharing with us. We just want to cheer you guys on. Thanks for everything that you do. And uh, where can folks find you guys online? Uh, yeah, definitely. So you can go to jonaspauleyewear.com. Uh, and yeah, thanks for the plug. Um, but yeah, you can go on there. We actually do you know, we ship them, we ship frames all over the U.S. so people can go on, order a home try-in kit so you can actually try, you know, frames on in the comfort of your home around the people you love and do a little fashion show, et cetera. Um, yeah, and then come back to the website and order complete, you know, pairs of glasses with prescription included, so. I love it. Well, thank you guys. Keep offering your gifts up to the world. The moment my kids start to struggle with their eyesight, we're going straight to your website. We're going to order some yep, frames. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks. Man, what a great couple with a great story. Love to see their impact, their influence spread. I want to leave you with a really simple question, but probably a really tough one to answer. What heartbreak in your life can lead to an opportunity? What heartbreak in your life can lead to an opportunity? This is the kind of God that we serve that takes some of the toughest moments in our lives and actually uses them for us to be able to minister, for us to be able to have an impact on other people. And it's just kind of this crazy plan that God seems to do so many times. So many of our weaknesses and our frailties and our disappointments and our heartbreak can actually turn into our superpower, the thing that connects us with other people, that invites us into relationship and ultimately breaks down walls. I loved hearing Ben and Laura's story. I love hearing about their marriages, the good, the hard, the in-between of running a business together. So think about that. Spend some time reflecting on that. And as always, we don't want you to just ingest this podcast quickly to, to hit it on one and a half speed and go. We want you to think about it. We want you to stop. We want you to pause. We want you to discuss with somebody else. And of course, if there's somebody in your life who will resonate with this, we want you to share it. Take a screenshot, share the link, get this out on social media. We believe that there are lives that are being impacted and we would love to see more lives impacted by this message of hope. And yes, we are crazy enough to believe you can keep leading for the long haul without losing your soul. We want people to become right side up leaders, right side up dads, right side up moms, right side up followers of Jesus. 
in this upside down world. Thanks for joining us for another podcast. Your time is super valuable. Thanks for giving us a little bit of your time. And as always, we want to make sure that we keep bringing you quality content. So if you've got some suggestions of guests that you'd like us to bring on the podcast, topics you'd like us to discuss, drop us a line at stayforth.com on the contact form, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. So long.